You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So if you would, uh, take your Bible and join with me in Psalm 138 this morning. Psalm 138. Uh, this is our, uh, our final stop on the summer in the Psalms train. Next week, I'm looking forward to starting uh, the book of John. We're titling it, That You May Believe, and I just really felt like we needed to focus in on Jesus, our Lord Jesus himself, and so we're planning on not going too fast through the Gospel of John. I expect to be in there a year. We may take a little breather break here or there, you know, along the way and do some other things. In fact, I'm sure we will, but really chose it because um, we, from two sides, Many of you are trying to understand, you know, what the gospel is and what it means to really know and follow Jesus. And the best thing I know to do is just to walk sequentially through a gospel so that you can see and hear and walk right alongside people that were discovering Jesus for the first time in their life and what that salvation meant. But also for those of us who've known Christ and have followed him and uh, for many years, sometimes we can begin to take things for granted, and we can let things get a little dusty and dry in our lives. So I'm praying that God will just reinvigorate our spiritual life, help those who are trying to figure things out to really understand, so I'm excited about that. But this morning we want to talk about what does it mean for you and for me to praise God in difficult times. Those are the difficult seasons, are they not, to praise God for? I mean, you if you're on the outside trying to help somebody who's going through a difficult thing, whether it be at work, personal life, or whatever, you don't just go to them like, well, you should just praise God. Just just praise God. I mean, when somebody says that, you kind of want to punch them, right? Don't you? Or like, what are you thinking? Like, I don't... I like you, but I don't want to be your friend right now. You know, that's not the moment. That's not the time to to have those kinds of conversations. And so I want to be careful that I'm definitely not coming across that way. But in the process, God is a God that we can look to. And he wants to give us a peace and a security and help us praise him even in the difficult things, even when we're processing really hard things that that life begins to unfold, things that are challenging to us, and and they come in different shapes and sizes, and some are big and some are small, but those things tend to, we begin to feel like we're cornered, right, as people. We begin to feel like we're in a box when wishing that we could control a different outcome, make things be different. We begin second-guessing our decisions and the way things happen, and we begin analyzing, and we we can kind of begin to just focus in on that. And God wants us in the process of all of that, in the process of the difficulties, the threats, and all of it, to turn our eyes upward, not to ignore what's here, continue to deal with that, but to also recognize that God is in that picture, as we've talked about so many times, but what it means to truly praise Him in that. So read with me in Psalm 138. King David is surrounded most likely by his enemies. He was a man that was an amazing man after God's own heart. He was a warrior, king, a statesman, and the Bible has his life on full display. Some of the things not so good, in fact, very bad. Some of the things are very amazing. But in this particular episode, he's most likely surrounded by enemies. He's been going through some hard things, and yet we catch a glimpse from him this morning teaching us and helping us to know that even in those hard times when the enemy is circling the camp, that we can and we should praise God. So here he says this. He says in verse 1, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple 
and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted all things, your name, above all things, your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. I love that phrase. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. By the way, that's you and me, if you didn't know that. We're on the lowly side. We're not on the high side. That's you and me. But the haughty, the prideful, the self-empowered, the one who thinks more highly of them than they should, he knows them from afar. Verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. See, he's walking in the middle of that now. He's surrounded by these other gods, the idols and the, of the enemy surrounding his camp. And you stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand, your, your strong arm, not your weak arm, God doesn't have a weak arm, but his strongest resolve delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Quickly this morning, before we celebrate our Lord's table, and uh, as you'll notice in the racks in front of you, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper, a reminder that Jesus, our Lord, died for us, the, the hope of our salvation, the hope of our future. But the first thing that, that David reminds us of is when the chips are down, when the enemy's circling the camp, when we're going through the storm that we even sung about this morning, is that we need to remember to praise God for who He is. See, the reason you and I struggle to praise God when things are difficult, when they're not, what's going on is not what we want, and when we're in the middle of the fire, the reason it's difficult is, is because, because of the circumstances, our eyes are there, and we can't praise in the middle of that. Like, how can we praise in the middle of this? Well, what David does is he says, you know what, God? I'm, I'm surrounded by the gods. I'm surrounded by the enemy. You know, the, the, the nations all had their idols that they bowed down to, that they looked to, to deliver them, to give them victory over their enemy. And that's what David's talking about when he says that, he says, I, before the gods, I'm going to sing your praise. He, he says, before the supposed heroes, I'm, I'm swimming in a sea of other nations and gods that are out to get me. But God, I'm bowing down and I'm worshiping you in the middle of the thread. Even though I've walked through these difficult days, these enemies, you've preserved me. And, and God, I, I'm worshiping you for who you are. You see, the place to start when we're going through those difficult times and, and as the weight begins to get heavy and heavier and heavier, and sometimes it's a season and we really struggle to come out of it, and we, we want some joy, we want some relief in the middle of it, and David kind of subtly, but he says, guys, point your eyes upward and begin to praise God for who He is. Like, start there. Start there. No, even Don't so much say, God, I'm really grateful that I'm having such a bad day today. God, I'm just really excited that this awful thing has happened to me. That's not what we're talking about. What David is saying is, God, I'm surrounded and I'm not where I want to be and what's going on, but I'm going to praise you for who you are. I'm going to praise you for your loving kindness, your steadfast love in verse 2, and your faithfulness. 
See, those are two aspects of who God is that David says, God, I can praise you for that. I'm going to start there. God, out of my heart, I'm bowing down to your temple and it's just wet my whole soul, everything with me. I'm going to praise you for those two things. This word, this, this loving kindness or this steadfast love or some of your translations may say enduring love or love without that doesn't end and God's faithfulness. These are the kind of two key words that involve our salvation as, as followers of Jesus Christ. That word enduring love, loving kindness, it's a, a merciful love. It's the Old Testament version of the New Testament word grace. If you've gone to church very long, you know that God saves us through His Son Jesus, through grace, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that God did not owe us anything. He, we have not earned anything. We do not deserve anything other than punishment and separation from God for all the things that we've done wrong, the lying and the stealing and the cheating and the things that are hard and all of that garbage. And so God graciously, as a gift, extends His salvation to us through the blood of His Son, Jesus, that we're going to remember through the Lord's table in just a moment. That's grace. God giving us what we don't deserve and doing it because He's God simply out of the goodness and kindness and mercy of a heavenly Father in heaven. That's word in the New Testament is this word in the Old Testament, this steadfast, enduring love. It involves God enduring merciful love to us Love that, that does not fail, a love to us that goes beyond what we deserve, beyond what we've earned, God reaching down and saving us because of that. So David's sitting here saying, God, I'm going through some tough times in life, but I'm praising you for your grace and for your love and for your enduring kindness of saving me and, and allowing me to be your child, to be your son, to be your servant in this earth. And God, even though I'm in difficult times, I'm praising you for that. This word faithfulness kind of has, has two shades to it. You know, like most words, if you've ever studied another language, many words in one language have a subtle twist to a meaning that just doesn't quite convey into the, the second language. It's, it always happens in every translation. And, and this word faithfulness has the idea of truth and truthfulness to it. So it's faithfulness because of something that is true. Think of it this way. If something is a lie, it is not truth, it is unreliable, it is unfaithful, right? Faith, you can't ever have faithfulness without truth. So what the Bible is telling us is that God's character, His loving kindness and His mercy and His salvation that comes through us through grace, New Testament, we discover the real source of that is our Lord Jesus dying on the cross. But God is also a God who is faithful, but is truthful. A truthful faithfulness to our God. You see, God being faithful to us isn't apart from that which is true. See, when we were kids, we wanted our moms to be faithful to us, but not necessarily according to truthfulness. We all wanted to get away with stuff. And that's not the way God operates. We all wanted mom to love us, but not necessarily to stick to truthfulness. <laughs> we wanted God, mom to be faithful in her love, but that's different than mom being faithful in her truthfulness. Are you, are you tracking with me? So God is a God who is true. He's a God that will stay true to His holiness. It will stay true to His justice. 
He's a God that will stay true in this world around us. It will never accept error, never accept wrong, never condone sin, never enable or empower and let anyone off the hook with that. And yet, so he's true, he's faithful, but he's also a loving God who says, I will forgive you of that stuff and I've made a way for you through my son Jesus. So here's the deal. When things are going rough in life, and you're getting overwhelmed, whether it's a small, as just having a bad day at work and just so glad you survive and get home, or whether it's a really tough season. One of my daughters told me today, a friend of hers actually um, in, in another church, had mom, the two, two daughters, early, mid-20s, lost their dad not too long ago, a few years ago, Three weeks ago, found out mom had cancer, and she just passed away three weeks later. So three weeks from diagnosis, she got an infection is gone. That's hard, folks. Whether you walk through a season of that that's just beyond compare is what David says is the way you keep yourself glued together and the way that you somehow continue on in life and know that you can wake up tomorrow and be okay, is you thank God for His grace and His faithfulness and truth and His mercy and love to you, no matter what, in the midst of it. You've got to start there, because sometimes when those things are going through, you're like, oh, God, I'm not feeling your love. You, it's halfway reminding yourself of those truths, and it's halfway just giving God glory for what He is and it begins to change and affect the way you look at things. And you begin to walk forward, even in the midst of the severe difficulty. So you start by praising God for who He is. Second thing that you do is you praise God for your answered need. Answered prayer, I like the answered need, just in this verse 3. Notice what David said. David said, on the day I called, not the next day, not the next week, not the next month, God sometimes answers you delayed. But David said, that very day I called. And you picked up the phone and you did something about it. You answered me. And my strength of soul you increased. That's a powerful little phrase there, guys. You need to highlight that. If you have a paper Bible, I know we're in a digital age, you can highlight digitally if you have the right program and put little notes in there or whatever. But notice what David said. David said, I, I was in trouble. I'm surrounded, I got stuff going on, and you called, you answered my prayer, but you really addressed the need of my soul more than the specifics of what I was praying about. If I was a king and I'm surrounded by the enemy, I'm going to be praying a prayer, God, would you just nuke them all, take them off the planet, get them out of here, right? Isn't that, we tend to pray that way. We just, and God didn't do that. But what God did do is He answered the need in His heart. And what David needed was a strength of soul. On the inside, God gave him the courage, the hope, the security, the ability to, to deal and cope and walk forward in the middle of it. You see, oftentimes, if not regularly, God doesn't address the external need that we see. But what God will do is address the internal need of our heart. That's actually what God's most interested in. See, we live in a world that's a very self-reliant world today. 
you know, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, empower yourself, you can make it happen, you can do, you know, fix everything inside. That's just really absurd. <laughs> it works for maybe five minutes, maybe a week, you know. And what we see here is that God is the one who actually strengthens you in your soul. He's the one that gives you an encouragement, that helps you face the day, to help you buck up and, and face and deal with and address and be able to, to handle the challenges of life. That the God of heaven supernaturally through His Holy Spirit inside of us comes alongside and strengthens us when we're beginning to wobble and get weak and our knees begin to buckle. That He immaterially, invisibly works inside of our soul to help us to endure and to make us able to deal with the things around us. See, there's two very different approaches. When life gets hard, you can either, well, maybe three, you can either go try to fix it inside of yourself, you know, go for a run, exercise a little bit, which is, is a good thing, but it's a limited th good thing. Maybe go do something fun. Maybe you need to take a nap, sleep, whatever. Like, Sean, seriously, I don't ever have time to take I get it. I get it. And still be helpful. And you, we still do take those naps, and it's not a bad thing. But that doesn't fix it. Or we try to get somebody else to f help us. Or the God of heaven does. What we really need to be is a God-reliant world, a God-reliant person. And David says, God, I praise you. And as I praised you, you on that day, you met my need. You strengthened me in my soul. See, what that is, is God is giving you a blank check for you to pray that same prayer. God, I don't like this situation. I wish it would change. But God, if it doesn't, would you at least give me strength in my soul? And help me to navigate those days. God wants to answer that prayer. That's not just for David. It's for you and me. That's why he goes on to say, God, you don't know the, the lowly from afar. In verse 6, he says, the Lord's high. We're, we are worshiping the great I Am who is high and lifted up and exalted. We ought not even be in the same conversation or room with this guy. We ought not have access. We ought to have layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer to Him. We ought to be talking to ten generations down and hoping that our message somehow gets up to that God and David's like, we can go straight to that God. That's what the gospel's all about, is we don't need any in-betweens, no intermediaries, no, none of those. That's who Jesus is. We go to Him as our Lord, and He is God. And so we go straight to Him. And David says, God, you regard the lowly. You listen to my prayer. I needed you. Even though David was king, was king he didn't consider himself to be exalted. Say, God, I need you, and I'm humbled. He recognized his need, and God answered that. By the way, it's a warning. When you and I have pride in our heart of any kind, God is far away. God always responds to humility, and always responds to those who deal with truth and who need Him and turn to Him through His Son, Jesus. See, when we try to come to God and we don't surrender our need to Jesus and receive Him as Lord of our life, bow before Him, what we're doing in essence is saying, God, I don't really need that. I just, I just want you to work some stuff out for me. And God, God's like, what, what are you doing? That's, I, you don't need me? You don't really need salvation? 
You think you got it together without my son? And that's why God doesn't speak and it's struggle. You see, God's not a God that we just kind of start hanging out with and hope to one day to really get to know well. That's how we make relationships on this earth. That's not the way it works with God. The way it works with God is you say, I do to the Lord Jesus. Surrender your life to Him, and then you know God. And then you hang out with Him, if I can say it in that way, and I hope you hear my heart, not at all dishonoring to Him, but then you experience Him in His presence in your life. And He does that through the, through the humble. Let me move on quickly. Third thing, when we're struggling and through that, not only do we praise God for who He is, we praise God for our answered need. We praise God for the future He brings. Look at verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. Folks, when David was king, the whole world was not a follower of God in heaven. Queen of Sheba had come and visited him and was amazed. But there were plenty. In fact, the vast majority of the world we're not following the God of heaven. David is today in trouble praying, but he's looking at tomorrow as if it's already there and saying, God, I'm seeing a bigger picture. I'm seeing the future, and I'm praising you for that future. See, when you and I are going through the middle of it, it's tough for us to think about the future. That's why we get stuck, and that's why it's tough for us to praise God because we're so focused here, and praising Him for who He is kind of helps begin to get some perspective. And we start there, then we have a better picture of what's going on now, but it also helps us to understand the future a little bit. And David is like, God, you're doing something far bigger here than just about me. And I'm praising you for how you're working in the world and how this is all going to turn out ultimately for your glory. I'm not a, uh, a, a psychologist sociologist, I'm not kind of any ist at all, right? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm called by God to help equip and lead and shepherd God's people. But I do watch and study people. And it seems to me that somewhere, so that's my little disclaimer, right? So you're welcome to say, Sean, you have no idea what you're talking about, and you may be an expert in this field, and that's great. Then you can fill me in later what I don't know and why I'm, I'm crazy on this. But it seems to me that something goes on in, in our natural upbringing or who we are as people, as human beings, and in typical kind of development and world that something goes on between those elementary years and middle school. And middle school seems to be where things become bigger than life. We've got enough experience in life to know that life can really hurt. And it's not cool. And we're aware, but we don't have enough life experience yet to know that most of the things that we don't like are really not that big. And we kind of, somewhere along as adults, most of us begin like, oh yeah, I was really just drama this or that. And just, you know, we don't have enough to kind of put everything into perspective. And there's probably terms for it and whatever. You can tell me about it later. But middle school is kind of where everything is bigger than life, right? Everything. We still, as adults, if we're being honest, I think, carry some of that reality today. Do, do we not? And we get to pick and choose what we think is big. And somebody else, some of the people are looking at us like, well, well, this is not a big thing. Sometimes they tell us that, and sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes they tell us that, and it's not helpful. <laughs> you know, so we kind of have to be careful with that. 
But somewhere along the way, and it seems to really hit, especially by middle school, that we kind of begin to be aware of those things. And maybe it's just more common, I don't know, maybe I'm missing some things. But what happens, and what David is saying is, God, because you're in my life, I'm not getting stuck in that middle school mindset. That I know what's going on here is not the end of the world. That I know that what's going on here is not the last part of the story. I know there's something bigger going on, and this thing is not bigger than life. God, I've got perspective, and I'm praising you for what I know is going to happen in the future. So folks, when you're going through the difficult times, and this is not being artificial or fake about any of this, this is not putting on the mask and any of this, I hope you don't hear any of that in this message, it's just you praying and working through these things in reality, but along the way is this is a process of journeying your heart, as you're praising God for who He is, as you recognize that God has answered your prayers in the past, He's going to strengthen in you and He's beginning to do that in your heart today, and along that way you can begin to praise and say, God, I don't know where this is going, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but God, I know the end of the story that you're going to take care of all of this, and there's going to be some good things. And God, it still hurts today, but you begin to see the future, and you begin to praise God for the future that He brings. You fourth thing, you praise God for the, the protection that He provides. He says in verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Isn't that so poetic? <laughs> God, I'm just living out my life in the middle of just trouble. Some days and things are like that, right? Just one thing happens and the next, and you're like, oh my goodness. Sometimes the things that we go into, it's not that it's one big thing, it's four or five little things, but add them all up, you know, one plus one plus one plus one plus one. It is a five-level kind of thing. If it was just one of them, no big deal. But five of them? And David's like, I'm just God, I'm walking in the middle of this trouble, just trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. And notice the way he's saying it. It's not, God, you just did this once and thank you, but he's like, this is the way you operate. You regularly, I regularly walk in the middle of trouble, and you regularly stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, those that are hell-bent, intent on taking me down and against me, and your right hand delivers me. You see, praising God for the protection that He provides for the things in your past. When you're going through those difficult circumstances, sit down and remember those things. Whether you're a person who writes that stuff down in a diary or a Bible journal or that kind of thing, if not, dial into your memory and say, you know what? God took care of me here and here and here and wow. And you begin in your soul to remember and to be tangible that God's going to take care of you now. And you praise Him for that. And it encourages your soul and it helps you today. You see, you praise Him for the future that He's going to bring, but you praise Him for the protection that He's provided and that you have and you know that you're secure in the middle of that. You see, you really can't praise God well unless you have your feelings secure, right? If you're, when you're vulnerable, the thing that's in your heart is fear. Anger or attack or vengeance or whatever. But when we're feeling secure that God, you're taking care of me, it allows us to experience God really in the middle of all of the difficulty. So consciously, 
almost formulaically go back and say, God, I'm going to remember and let your heart and mind think about those things. Remember the way you felt then and how God came through the threat and what went on and what God did and see God's hand in those things in your life and it will help you. Fifth thing and I'm done. Praise God for the purpose that He secures. In verse 8, David says this, the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, he comes back to that word grace, that Old Testament grace, O Lord, endures forever. And I love the reality of the human soul. And God, don't forsake the work of your hands. Don't let go. He knows it and He believes it, but don't let go, God. I, I love the you will fulfill your purpose for me. You see, when we go through the really big things, we begin to really question hard, am I going to be able to be okay and accomplish what I should? Am I going to make it? And we begin to really wonder, are we going to get through this and be okay on the other side? Are we going to fail? And what this verse is a promise and David is telling us that we should praise God and consciously recognize that God will categorically, for those who follow Him, who know the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life, and who follow Him, that God categorically will accomplish His person in your life. You see, David knew that no matter how big the enemy, no matter how big the threat, no matter how big the things around him, no matter how big the drama of life that we talked a minute ago, that we even experience into adulthood, no matter how big, that God, none of those things will ever undermine the purposes of God in our life. So you may have some things that you go through that really are earth-shaking, that begin to address personal identity and who you are and the way you think life is going to be, and all of a sudden it's not. You need to recognize that what God wants to do in your life will never, ever, ever be shaken as long as you pursue and follow Him. That should impact us tremendously. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. We walk around in a confidence, not arrogantly, not presumptuously, not being jerks for sure, but we have a confidence that even in the middle of all of those things, that it's okay and God's purpose will prevail in our life as we follow Him. So folks, I don't know how you needed to personally hear this this morning. It's a part of our just summer series, and just as we walk through, and these were the chapters that lined up for today. But we need to praise God, and even when it's difficult, and if we start by saying, well, I know I need to praise God, but I just don't feel like it, that's, that's not the way you go about this. It's actually for your good to praise God. Just step back for just a moment. Say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who died for me.